The reading for this morning is coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Here's what it says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. May God bless the reading for this morning. Good morning, church. Thank you for being here and for joining us to worship our Lord and Savior. And uh, remember Jesus, our Lord and Savior, um, um, as well. I don't know if you guys can recognize these people right here, but I have a two, a, two pictures here of individuals. See if you can recognize them. Do you guys know who this is? Do you guys know who that is, right? You guys figured it out? I'm going to show you the second picture, and I think it's going to tell you exactly who this is. This one right here. Do you guys know who that is? All right, you guys are right. These are our children, um, Esther and Daniel. So... The first one is Daniel. Look at that. The second one is Esther. So the other day, uh, we were having just some family fun. We're looking at, we're, we're using the, the, you know, a face app that ages you, that predicts how old you're going to be in, in a few years. So these pictures here obviously are Jacob and, and uh, Esther and Daniel. Uh, Esther and Daniel as they are today and as they are when they're senior citizens, I guess, what they could look like. So Esther and Daniel gave me permission to share this with you because they're just so excited to see how old they would look like when they're older. Okay? So have you ever wondered what your children are going to look like later on in their lives? We probably all wondered that. Right? But the question that I want to ask you today is this. To transition into what we're going to do today. Have you ever wondered what your children would be like when they're older. You know, we have our own plans in our minds on what our children's future should be. We even envision in our minds what we want them to be when they're teenagers, when they're young adults, when they have their own families, and when they have their own grandkids. I think that's a very noble and good thing. And I'm pretty sure we, I speak for all of us here when we say that we want our children to grow up happy, strong, successful, and fulfilled. This morning, what I would like to do is I want, I want us to um, set a vision for our children, for our families. One that is strong, filled with hope, and um, tied with God's will for all of us in, in, in the church. So this morning, what I would like to do is I would like us to uh, align our plans for our families and for our children in line with God's vision for our families. This morning, we are literally going to talk about what parenting is all about. We're going to talk about why God made us parents in the first place. And uh, what we're going to do is we are going to um, understand 
uh, God's vision for us and our families. And in so doing, this lesson today is not only for parents. It is also for our children. So we all understand and, and have accountability for what's expected of us and what we expect from each other. And uh, because this is for children, this is also for people who do not have children. Because literally, as we will see this morning, God's vision for families is literally discipleship. And as we all understand, discipleship, also God's vision for us and our families, starts with the individual person. As we mature in our relationship with God, in our love for God, and pass it on to other people, and in this case, to our children. So this lesson is for all of us this morning. And we understand as well that God's vision for our families is also his vision for his spiritual family. Because his vision for us is literally discipleship, growing in our love for God and his word. So we are going to do this by looking into God's vision for our families as we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 5 to 8. I'm going to read that again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. Uh, Where am I? When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. This particular passage of scripture uh, is very familiar and, and, and dear to the people of Israel, even at that time, when Moses told this to them um, in the wilderness. God, through Moses, was reminding the people of Israel what's, what his vision for them and their families uh, was. Um, this is, like I mentioned earlier, this is very important for the people of Israel at that time. Even today, this is very important for many Jewish families. Uh, you see in verse 7 what it says, talk, uh, talk uh, about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Many Jewish families, even today, they recite this first thing in the morning when they wake up. In the, as a family, and the last thing at night before they go to bed. And I know, I know this because I, I used to have a lot of uh, friends in Montreal when, when I used to live there, and they're Jewish. And we would go, I would go to their house, and we would eat, and this would be their prayer when they eat. And they would say it in, in Hebrew. I didn't know, but I just know the first word because, because what they recite starts in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. This is verse 5, but verse 4 is where they get the name of this passage. It's called the Shema. Shema Yisrael. That's the first thing in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, the Lord, the, uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and then this. They call it the Shema. Hear. That's, that's, that, that's the word. Very important. And so in verse 5, we read that... Um, uh, that God's vision for us is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. We have seen this many times before. We are familiar with this. And like I said, this is very important to the Jewish people at the time, even today. And as such, it was very important to Jesus as well. Do you guys remember when one of the Jewish leaders asked Jesus, 
you know, teacher, what was among all of the hundreds of commandments that we have in the Bible? What is the number one? What is the most important? Do you remember that? So Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Literally citing and quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. What an amazing display here saying that this is important to Jesus and this is important to the people of God. It's important for us today. And we understand that loving the Lord our God with everything that we have and everything that we are means that we love him with our heart, with all the passion that we have in our hearts, with, uh, with all the affections and the desires of our hearts, with all of our soul. The soul is the core of the human, human person. It is who we are. Our identity is fixed on Him and His love for us and our love for Him. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of our soul and with all our strength and with all our mind. It means that we love God with all of our rationale, with all of our, uh, with all of our understanding, with all of our reason, and also with everything that we have and all of our might with our bodies but this particular uh, command to love god with everything that we are is not just it does not only find its strength in all the different pieces you know heart soul mind and strength it's also the fact that this is something that god tells us because he doesn't want us to love him with competition from other things we want him to love him with all that we are not just a little bit not just for when we are here gathered together on Sunday mornings. Not just when mom and dad or whomever has, you know, have, have people over from the church in our house and then we show them our, you know, good side. It's anytime, anywhere, in whatever situation we see ourselves in. Loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength means loving God to the fullest. Think about, the t think about something that you're really passionate about. Think about something that you spend your, most of your money on. Think about something that, that you really, really love to think about even when you're doing something else. God says that he wants us to grow enough in our relationship with him that eventually that one thing will be him. Not our hobbies, not our favorite sports teams, not our work, not the people that we love around us, but Him. Everything that we decide to do will be based upon praising Him and glorifying Him and Him alone. That is what we want to work up to. That's not something naturally that we do, right? That's why we want to grow into that. And this is what that discipleship is all about. So now in verse 6, Moses continues. And we continue to read. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So here right off the bat, okay, God through Moses tells the people of Israel and in turn tells us that the love for the Lord is equivalent to the love for his word. 
the respect for his commandments. That just as we have God in our hearts, we also have to put his commandments into our hearts. Do you guys see that? Put two and two together. I know you're probably saying, well, this is in the Old Testament. Yes, we understand that. But Jesus himself joins these two together in the New Testament. Look at John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus himself says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And joining the love for God and the love for his word together in one sentence. It is the same thing. We can't say that we love God and not have regard for what he says in his word. It doesn't make sense. In fact, our relationship with God is based on this. Jesus, in John chapter 14, verse 21, continues. He says the same thing at the very beginning. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. It's like he's saying, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, right? And then he talks about the relationship bit. He says, the one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. It's a relationship. It's not a one-sided relationship where, you know, it's not that if, if I say that I love God and every time I, I go to him or pray to him is because I need something, that is one-sided. That is a transaction. That is not a relationship. Yes? If I say that I love God, it means that I love God in good times and in bad. I don't only love God because he's nice to me. But then he does something that is not nice in my opinion and then I stop loving him. That is not the kind of love that God is talking about here. That is not loving God with everything that we are and everything that we have. This obviously is very important to Jesus as well because we've seen in John 14, uh, what verse was that? John 14, 15 and John 14, 21 that this is very important to him. It, it, it spells of our relationship with God. But also Jesus, before he ascended into heaven from earth, this was a big part of the last commandment that he ever gave to his disciples. We've seen this passage before, the Great Commission. But it, it, it bears repeating here because we, we need to see this holistically. We need to see this as a, as, as a whole not just piece by piece. We need to understand where, this is, where Jesus is coming from. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18-20, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. That's the first one, right? We say that. We make disciples by baptizing them, but that's not the end-all and be-all. After baptism... There's a big growth and maturity part that needs to happen. And Jesus says that that growth and maturity is teaching them, those who have been baptized, to obey everything I have commanded you. Do you guys see that? Essentially, Jesus is telling his people, his disciples, to teach people how to love God. To obey everything I have commanded you. Now, God's vision for families first and foremost starts 
with us, with the grown-ups, right? With the grown-ups. It doesn't matter if you have kids. It doesn't matter if you, if, or, 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 or if you have kids. God's vision for our families, because this is his vision for the church as well, right? Is to love God and his word. Number one, this is our mission. This is the mission of discipleship. That's why we say that this is the most important mission of the church. Is to teach all of us to mature in our love for God and for his word. I'm, I'm going to say confidently that one of the reasons why we are here today is because we want to grow in our love for God and his word. Okay? But there's a second part to this. And this second part we see in verse 7. And this is when the family comes into play. Okay? He says, impress them on your children. This word impress is not just really teach them diligently. This word impress means that we want to imprint on our children's hearts the love for God and for his word. And this is our task now. And this is the most important thing that we need to think about as parents and as individuals in this congregation. Because even if you don't have children, you interact with our children in the congregation, in the Sunday school, right? When we go to your homes, when we invite you to our home, when we are with each other in, 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 in the congregation, in the assemblies, so this is very important for us today. And, and the question that we have now is this. Okay, as we, you know, as we really round out God's vision for families. Two steps. We need to love God and His Word. We need to grow into that so that we can pass it on and impress it on to our children. The question now is, how do we actually do that? How do we effectively naturally, that is, not contrived or not forced, and consistently pass on our faith from generation to generation. How do we do that? Now, I'm going to spend a few more minutes here to really, um, to really give us some, some, some encouragement on how we can do that at home and in the church. So, um, the... The people of Israel um, really, uh, really love this verse because it doesn't just tell us, tell them the what. What are they supposed to do? They tell us also. They they, they also tell them how they're going to do it. And in this particular case, verses seven and eight, and, and even the following verses, tell us how we can pass it on to our children. There's a lot of things to unpack here, but I'm just going to bring out about three things that this particular passage gives us in ways that we can pass it on effectively to our children. But look at this first. It says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Remember, I, I mentioned earlier that the Jewish people at the time, and even today, they literally took this, you know, this passage to heart. Because they wanted to pass it on to, 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 to their children from generation to generation. And they have been successful. Because I told you about my friends in Montreal. They still do this even to today. They, they recite the Shema before they, they lie down at night and when they get up in the morning. 
But not only that, they literally did verse 8. They tied the words as symbols on their hands and bound them on their foreheads. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you were talking about the phylacteries. You guys have heard of that word, phylacteries? My friends in, in Montreal, they call it tefillin. Okay, this is it right here. This is what they did to make that to make that a reality for them and for their families. They bound their arms with God's word. Do you guys see the little box on his arm right here? The Shema is on there. They wrote it down and they put it there. And see the forehead? There's a box there as well. The same thing. There's that word. There's the passage there of scripture. And it's, they, they have select passages in there ranging from the Shema to the things in the Passover and Exodus and many of the promises of God to the people of Israel. They would put that in there. Right? And I guess in a way there, it's effective because they do it up till today. But there's, there's a challenge with this. And Jesus saw the challenge of that in his time. Because they did this just for show. Okay? Many of them, especially their leaders. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 5, says this about the Jewish leaders of his time. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide, you know. They make it big so that when they walk around, people can see it. And the tassels on their garments long. So to them, it was, important, it, was, it was important for people to see that they are passing on their faith to other people. But were they effective at it? Did their children really love God with all of their hearts, with all of their minds, with all of their souls, and with all of their strength? That's the question. And that is also the question for us. I mean, we can do this like my Jewish friends would do at home. Remember I told you that they, they recited the Shema before they went to work in the morning and before they went to bed at night? They would literally, their fathers would actually tie it on when they recite it and put the, st- the stuff on. And they would take them off before they, went to be- before they went to school and before they went to work. And they would do the same at night. For us, there's an equivalent thing. That we, we, we could fall into a trap when we think about how best to pass this on to our children. With us today, the trap is that we can, we can, have, we can, we, we can, we can have an appearance. We can just be content with an appearance that our children are being, are, are, are being impressed in their hearts, the love for God and His Word. Okay, one of the things is, sometimes it's enough for us to just come here and leave. And that's it. Does that guarantee that it's going to get passed on to our kids? I don't think so. But do not get me wrong. Being here today is very important. Worshipping with the church every first day of the week is an important part of a mature Christian's life. You cannot be a mature Christian and forsake 
worshiping with the saints. But here's what I'm saying. Only coming to church on Sundays also does not guarantee that we ourselves will be mature in our love for God and His Word. And it will not guarantee that our children catch the heritage of our love for God and His Word. So we need to be careful of that. Instead, let's look closely at verse 7. Because in verse 7, we're going to see three things that Moses is telling us on how we can effectively, consistently, and naturally pass this on to our children. Beginning with this term right here, discipleship. I know you guys have heard of this. Okay, You know what they say about learning and advertising as well. It has to happen consistently. Repetition is the best way to learn. Right? And when we talk about discipleship, it is something that we need to take to heart because this is what discipleship is all about. This whole passage right here is what discipleship is all about. It's not just going out to your friend and telling them, hey, you want to come to church with me? And then looking at the preacher and, hey, hey, here's my friend. There's my preacher. You guys come together. I'm out of here. That's not really the kind of discipleship that we're talking about here because that's not really discipleship. Discipleship is way deeper than that. It is making sure that we as individuals mature so that we can pass it on to other people. Not pass them off to other people. Not for other people to do our work for us because we are all disciple makers. Okay? Discipleship is very important because here in this particular point is when we ask the question, why God did you give us children? Why am I a parent today? If you look at this particular passage, you will see clearly why. God designed our homes to be the first stop for the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. God made sure that we understand that our house, our home, is the first place where we do discipleship. Right here. Impress them on your children. So, maybe sometimes we, would, we, we have this idea that, you know, the church is responsible for my children being Christians. In a way, you know, we have some responsibility, right? But the responsibility lands squarely at my foot, at our feet as parents for our children, for discipleship. Very important. And it's very important because discipleship does not just happen um, in, 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 uh, in, it just doesn't happen out of the blue. There's a context for discipleship. And that context for discipleship we see here as well. Discipleship happens in relationships. Look at the amount of time that God expects us to spend with our children in this passage. Do you guys see that? Talk about them when you sit at home. Do you guys sit at home? <laughs> I do. Do my kids sit at home? 
they do too. It says in here, use that opportunity to talk to them about loving God and his word. Maybe start with our love for God and his word and tell them about it. Okay? And it says in here, uh, and when you walk along the road, do you guys travel with your family? Do you guys travel here? No, we don't walk to places anymore, right? We have our cars now. Do you guys have conversations in your car? Yeah? That's an opportunity for us to tell them about God. Right? There's so many ways we can do that. I know this is not something that I would, that, that I would say because I've grown in my relationship with God myself. Right? I never used to listen to Christian music. I thought they're boring. But you know, I have kids and I understand that there's, there's, there's value in that because they would hear the words of God, especially when the, when the hymns and the songs are taken directly from Scripture. I love that. You know, and this is a responsibility that we, we all have, not just those with kids, with those who don't have kids. Last Friday, do you guys know what happened here on Friday? There was a kids club. Is that what it's called, Jason? I had never been to a kids club before because we never really had children before, right? But now we do have children, and this is the first time that we were able to go to a kids club. It was phenomenal. There was discipleship happening at that time. In relationships, there were the parents there and there were the kids there. And you know who were discipling the children? Some of the parents were. And some people who were there didn't even have kids. Tyler Goche was there. Mackenzie and Taylor were there. And the kids loved it. This is all something that we can do. Actually, let me rephrase that. This is all something that God expects us to do. Discipleship and relationship. Okay? Because, you know, we've heard about love, especially here in this, you know, in this sermon. We heard about loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Your kids have heard that too, because they're here, they hear it. But it's only in relationships that this will be internalized in their mind and in their hearts. Do you guys know what I'm talking about here? If I go home today, my kids see me speaking about this. If I go home today and I talk to them in a kind manner, in a loving manner, and when something bad happens, maybe they fought, and I resolved it in a way that's conducive to them actually, you know, saying sorry to each other in a calm manner, and when I talk to my wife, they see that I'm talking to my wife in a kind and considerate and compassionate manner. Then this learning is going to be internalized in their mind and in their heart. Oh, that is how we love God with all of our hearts and minds and souls. Everything that we do leads to that love and kindness. And you know what I'm saying? But it's also true if I do something that's opposite to what I'm preaching today. If the only time that, I, that my kids hear me talk to them is when I yell at them because they did something wrong, because they're bothering me, because I'm working or watching TV, 
then they will have a different view of love. Then they will understand that, you know, I go to church because I have to. But I don't see the need for it because my parents believe in this stuff, but they don't do it. Relationship. And it's in our relationship with God, with our children, that we can effectively disciple them. To me, as a parent with two children, a lot of the discipleship that I do with them is two things. Stopping bad behavior and starting good behavior. How do I stop them from whining, from badgering? You know, the kids badger you, right? They, they, they repeat continuously what they want. They say no and they, they say it again. They whine. They complain. They lie. And all sorts of other things. Okay? We need to teach them that this is bad, first and foremost. And we need to identify that every time that they do it. Because one of the, one of the things that I found that I do wrong with my kids, and I just, I just recently realized this, because Linda and I talk a lot about that, is I, I, I think, I have this attitude that my kids are little adults. That they're doing all these bad things because they just want to make me feel bad about myself. It's not true. They just don't know. So I have to support them to get rid of these bad things. Okay? And when I do that, I can't do it in a nagging way. I can't raise my voice. And I can't just literally do like an adult tantrum with them when I do that. When when I tell them not to do it. Okay? We have to have a system, Linda and I. And you know what? We learned that in North America. Canadians taught us this thing about timeouts. Those are very effective. Okay? When they start doing that, they know. It's like, have a timeout, five minutes. Excellent. That's stopping bad behavior. But there's a difference between that and starting good behavior. I can't employ that strategy with starting good behavior when I'm discipling, when I'm discipling my children. I can't have them face consequences when they don't wash dishes or clean their rooms. Do you guys know why? Because I have to employ Jesus' discipleship method when it comes to that. I have to actually teach them to do it. Right? I can't be upset at my children because they're because they're slob, because they're slobs when it comes to like not cleaning their rooms, whereas I have not even taught them how to do it. I can't just expect my children to pick up a broom and start sweeping if I have not shown them how to do it. So when it comes to starting a good behavior, I have to be there with them and say, Hey, do you want to wash the dishes with me? Instead of telling them, Hey, you wash the dishes. Ask them, Do you want to wash the dishes with me? I'll show you. Hey, Buddy, let's go. Let's, let's sweep the floor together. That, in essence, is discipleship. Can you imagine what we can do when we translate that into reading the Bible? Into praying with them? Into coming here with them and serving the church? We can do that with our children. And in the process, they will learn. And finally, 
This speaks of priority. The amount of time that we spend with kids that God expects us to do is tremendous in this passage. Some of us should probably be going, when do you find the time to do that, Jay? When can I find the time to do this? We don't have a lot of time, but I just want to challenge you. If your schedule, right, does not allow for you to be with your children, to disciple them, then I encourage you to rethink your schedules and to rethink your priorities. Because inadvertently, we might not be doing what God wants us to be doing in His will to do. And you know what it's called when we don't do God's will, right? We know what that means. We need to do this. This is very important to us. It's important that we do it at home first. Because do you remember what people say? People say this. What we are at home is who we really are in real life. Even if we can fool people to thinking that we are awesome spiritually. God knows who we are. And our children know who we are when we are at home. So let's start doing that at home. And start thinking that as a priority. Let me conclude. Do you guys remember this picture, uh, video? Did you, have you, did you guys see this uh, lately? This is a picture of a Ukrainian boy leaving his country because there's war there right now horrible he's walking to the border to poland to flee the war and as he was doing that he's carrying his stuff and like a piece of chocolate in hand and he's crying you know when linda showed me this picture i cried it was in the evening that linda showed me this And then I went over to my kids' bedroom. They were already sleeping. And I cried over them. And I thank God for giving me children. The reason why I'm telling you this is because our children are precious. They are a priority to us. We can't just let the screens parent our children. We can't just let the world disciple our children. If we're not discipling our children to love God and His Word, one thing is for sure, the world will disciple them and will replace God and His Word with something else in their hearts. So the question that I have for you is this. As parents... Okay, I have, a, I have a survey question that I want you to answer yourself. And I want you to choose your choice out of, I think, five, five choices. What would you prefer for your children 20 to 30 years from now? What would you like them to be 20 to 30 years from now? Do you want them to be successful in academics, sports? You want them to be rich? You want them to be, you know really good with people and in their careers? Do you want them to be a mature disciple of Jesus who serves and leads others to Jesus?
you're probably saying, well, is there a letter F option where all of the above? Of course, we want all of our, chil- our children to be all of this. But let me tell you a fact. That there will always be one thing that will be a priority for our families. That is a fact. We want to say E is our choice, right? But I want you to introspect. What is the number one thing that you do in your family that shows your priority? Okay? So to help you find the answer to that, I have changed the questioning in this format. Which of these takes up most of your effort, time, and money now as you prepare for your children's future 20 to 30 years from now? So in, in, in other words, I'm asking you this. Which one of these do you love with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength? Academics? Sports? Saving and investing money? Making wealth? Social and professional life? or discipleship through meaningful relationships? Which one? Again, there will always be one that will come out to the top. There's one thing to think about and believe that letter is the answer, but there's also another thing to actually have something else as our priority. But if we choose E, then God's, then Jesus' promise will be fulfilled to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Do you guys remember that? The Sermon on the Mount? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Seek first letter E, and all of these things will be added unto you. The message today is straightforward. God's vision for our families is for us to love God and His word, so we can pass it on to our children. But it starts with us. As we sing the song of invitation, as we sing the closing song, it is a prayer. Just a closer walk with thee. I want us to really introspect and start with ourselves. We want to walk closer to Jesus, with Jesus, so that we can teach and show our children how to do the same. Let's stand and sing.